go dogs. Anyway, good morning. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, 41 nothing. So anyway, we, um, man, no, so seriously, welcome to Vintage. If you didn't know, that was the score of the Georgia Tennessee game last night. We pretty much dominated. Can I get everybody wearing Georgia gear to stand up? Anybody wearing Georgia gear? I think Randy's right here. Stand up right there. There you go. Good job, man. No, hey, listen, we know we know a week's coming, we're going to lose. You just got to enjoy it when it's happening, you know what I'm saying? So uh, it's all good. No. Hey, if you are a guest here at Vintage, welcome. I'm Steve Hambrick, lead pastor here. And uh, you've come at a good time. We're in the middle of a series called The Plan. The plan is of basically our walk through the, the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Uh, but the really cool thing about the letter to the Ephesians, it's not just to the church at Ephesus, but it's to Ephesus and all the surrounding churches in Asia Minor. So, I mean, literally, you can go, it's like modern-day Turkey, and you can go, it's like a who's who of like these Bible cities and stuff that you see in the New Testament. And and so Paul wrote this letter, and the idea is real, real simple. He just wanted to encourage them, right? He loves them. He wanted to encourage them in the in the walk that they had with Jesus, their expression, their faith, and the in this hostile community that some of them lived in. And and so it's just a, a really, really cool letter, just watching how he writes, and he's really encouraged. We're going to look this morning at uh, verse 15 in a second, but this like level of excitement that he has about the church and what God's doing in their midst. And so we've been going through that. And so just to kind of catch you up in 30 seconds. The first eight or nine verses is basically Paul writing, saying, let's have, let's have confidence in who we are in Christ. Like you've been richly blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, which means you have an inheritance, which means you have access right to God. Uh, it means you've been adopted as his children. So don't live like you're second rate citizens and don't believe some lie that you were worthless and worth nothing and that you've been rejected. No, you've been accepted by Jesus. And, and that literally can become the shifting of reality from who you used to be to who you are now. I mean, listen, on Instagram, any, any of my, have any friends on Instagram in here? Uh, any Instagram friends? Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so if you watched, I posted, so I thought of this this morning in worship. I posted a, a video on Instagram a couple of days ago of me filming Anna Catherine playing softball, right? And, and I, and, and listen, like I literally, my, there's this, you see her at the bat and all of a sudden the video starts and then my tagline just says, Sometimes I get a little bit loud when I'm cheering for my girls when they play sports, something like that, right? And literally, Anna Catherine just crushes the ball, literally crushes it, line drive between center field and right center, right? And this girl comes running over, can't get the ball, goes all the way to the fence. And I am screaming gutturally with everything in my being. And I really don't care that I have all these Mount Perrin parents behind me over here just going, hmm. Like this, I am like so loud, like I'm go, 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 go to third, three, three. And I'm just like screaming at the top of my lungs. If you watch it, you know, it's exactly how it was, right? I had over 200 likes. It's been watched over 200 times, right? And I'm in worship this morning. And God said, that's how I cheer for you. And I was undone. I mean, that's how he cheers for us. And I was like, he's like, I don't care who else is around. I want you to know that's the first nine verses of Ephesians 1, Steve. Who you are. Like this awakening inside of us. Second thing, man. So if we dive into, so we have a confidence in who we are in Christ. And then we have a confidence in who God is. He says he has a plan and a purpose to unify everything in the middle of chaos under Jesus. So we're going from chaos to restoration. 
He has a plan, and so he actually has this power, this ability because of his omniscience, right, his omnipotence to take even things in the middle of our chaos and use them for his plans and his purposes that he has for us, right, to use our chaos to bring everything in our lives and the lives of the world under the unity and the lordship of Jesus Christ. We have a confidence in his ability and his lordship. And then last week we looked at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, the first part, talking about having faith, that faith in God, right? This idea of having Jesus as our true north and we see him and everything in life, right? That happens. We immediately turn to Jesus. We said last week, we'd like that we faith is the word suspend where we take the word hammock from, right? Where we take the strings of our hammock and we tie them up to God and we jump into our hammock and trust him to suspend us in his love. And so it's a, it's a, it faith is this thing of the mind, Right? This is, we assent to God who He is in our mind, but it's also our heart, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Every part of our being, right? We see leaps into a passionate love for Jesus, and then it affects our will, where we say, and everything in our life is not about me, it's about what you want to do. And so that's the nature of faith. And so we said, this is where faith is. Where we are a people of faith who believe and we trust God and everything that happens in life, we just run to jump into the hammock of his love for us and suspend ourselves between him. We don't have one foot on the ground and one foot in the hammock. We have both feet in. So that's what's catching you up, right? There you go. You're good to go, man. You're loved. Jesus cheers for you with his guttural voice and so excited that everybody thinks about you, right? Nobody around you thinks, right? There's this beautiful piece of who he is. And so this morning, then, is this moving from faith connected to love, right? They can't be separate. We're going to look at this morning. But faith connected to love. And so this morning, what we could say is this, that in the context of our relationship with Jesus, in a sense, in a sense, we're doing a relationship checkup because the nature of faith is that it expresses itself in love. Faith expresses itself in love. And so in the idea of all relationships that we're in, I don't know if you do this or not, but you should. You need to be doing a regular relationship checkup where you're literally stopping going, how is my relationship with my spouse? How is my relationship with my children? How is my relationship with my parents? How is my relationship with my coworkers? How is my relationship with those that I work, that, that work underneath me or I work for? How is my relationship with those that I live around every day of my life? And the idea is simple. We need to be aware of those relationships and do a checkup. How am I doing? Am I doing my part? Am I communicating well? Am I expressing love? Am I serving well? Am I, am I bringing joy to those I'm around? We're doing this checkup. And so the idea this morning is that we do that in the context of our relationships that we're in and primarily our relationships with Jesus. It's important for you to know I do this on, a, on almost an everyday basis with some level of relationship. I'm, I'm very aware every day of how I'm communicating, who I'm relating with, right? Like I'm, I'm always aware of my relationship with my kids. I'm always aware of my relationship with my wife, and I want to be, and I aspire to, and I believe I'm doing a fairly good job by God's grace to which is by his abilities helping me right every day to, to be aware of my relationship with him. Because my relationship with him, again, right, is going to be about my faith and trust in him expressed in how I love him and I love other people. So we're going to dive into that this morning, right? So let me say this, because this is going to be your small groups. These are the rules of the game. 
Right? You think about rules of the game. Every game you play, it has rules. There are pieces to it, right, that, that are very, very vital and they're important to, to how we play the game and the boundaries of the game. And so when we talk about the rules of the game of our relationships, primarily with Jesus and the secondarily, secondarily with others, there are rules of the game. And the rules of the game, real simple, is that we are living a life, hear this, of great trust and of belief and faith in God. I'm jumping into his hammock every day. And that I know that I'm jumping into the hammock, well, by how I'm expressing love to him and then to others around me. Let's dive in and look at this in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in, just looking at the second part of verse 15. It says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So again, we say Paul, he's celebrating the church, right? He's celebrating how the church in Asia Minor has been living their life. He saw their faith. He sees their trust in Jesus in the midst of chaos. And he sees their love for all of God's people. The point we have to make about faith and love, again, is they are intertwined for Paul, where you can't have one without the other. You can't say, I have faith, but have no expression of love. That's the whole letter that James wrote, right? Faith without works is dead. Faith of the expression of love to those who are around is dead. So there can be no faith apart from the expression of love. When I look at Paul's word to the Galatian church in chapter 5 or 6 of Galatians, it says, for in Christ Jesus, now recognize these things about the name are super important to these Jewish Christians, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Like, that's one of those, like, oh, press pause verses, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like Paul comes and looks at these Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians who are hearing from Jewish Christians, hey, listen, you have to be circumcised. Like, it was the rite of passage into faith. You could not have relationship with God, right, in Jewish faith apart from circumcision. It's a super, super, super big deal for, for the Judaizers, that those of you who know, the, who know that word, right, these people who are like Christian Jews. Man, so listen, it is the utmost importance. If you're not, listen, it's a sign of salvation. You don't, can't really know Jesus unless you've been circumcised. This is a really, really big deal. And Paul comes and says, actually, there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Everybody's going, What? Are you kidding me? Ah, and they're going, the only thing, and that's huge, isn't it? The only thing. Like, you know, in true and false questions in tests growing up, this would have been false. Because you never say the only thing in true and false questions. You know what I'm talking about. That's definitely false. They taught me how to write false, and I don't really know the answer, but it's got to be false. There's like the only thing, right? No, the only thing Paul says that matters is faith expressing Love. They're intertwined. The only thing that matters for our faith. So when Paul comes and looks at the, uh, the church at Ephesians and the rest of the churches in Asia Minor, he's excited because the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. And that's what you're doing. <laughs> Woo! Right? He's on Instagram cheering for him. Yeah! Woo! Man, he doesn't care that you're sitting here. This is awesome! Are you comfortable with Jesus cheering for you like that? Man, 
You got to. It's awesome. So the verse shows connection. We listen. We know faith then is present in our lives if we are expressing love. So for the conversation this morning, the heart of everything that we're getting at can be summed up this way. Faith is primary. As we talked about last week. Faith is primary, but practice or expression of love is necessary. Okay? If you're going to write anything down this morning in your notes, it should be that. Faith is primary. We're going to look at that in a second, right? But practice or the expressing of love is necessary. So, again, we looked at this last week, but let's just kind of, again, tag into faith is primary to make this kind of jump from point A to point B. So, last week in conversation, we said that, listen, faith is the key. Faith is the key. Simply stated, it is faith, not works. It's faith. This mental ascension, our heart expression, and our will being turned over to Jesus that saves us, not our action, right? So reading your Bible, praying, going to church, serving the poor, giving to the needy, helping people, right? Even expressing love to those who are in need, it doesn't save you. Faith in Jesus saves you. Therefore, what we can say is this, what we believe and who we trust is more important than what we do. That ha- so, so love has to have a, have a beginning point. And where the beginning point is most important, faith in Christ is primary. Our trust and belief in him jumping in the hammock of his love for us every day is by far the most important thing in life. However, what we believe always gives birth to what we do. Your beliefs will lead you to do something. And so Paul's coming and saying, what we believe always gives birth what we do. Faith is primary, but practice is necessary, not the other way around. Our culture believes the opposite. They say, it doesn't matter what you believe. What matters is what you do. What you do. So man, it doesn't really matter what you believe, just much long you do the right thing or do something. But biblically speaking, that's illogical at best. Because how you are living always flows out of what you believe. We can't separate what we believe from our action. There has to be belief. There has to be this trust. And what you say you believe will then dictate what you do. So, here in this scripture... Paul makes it clear that faith must manifest love. What we believe, what we believe must then have an expression. It is necessary. So we are saved by faith, but faith and our belief then will express something because there's always a flow and faith must express biblically love. Listen, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter circumcision, uncircumcision. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. Just press pause. So we have to have the great commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, right? Do you know, I mean, you've read the Bible, a lot of you. It says they will know that we are Christians by what? Love for others, love for one another. Do you know why the world does not like the church and is not drawn to it? Because all they see is disunity and expression of disunity and not an expression of love for one another. The great sin of the church is not that we're not loving non-Christians. The first great sin is that we're not loving one another. 
That's why he commends them. He's like, Christianity will thrive in your city if you're expressing love from your faith. And starting with love for one another. The people that you're sitting around right here. Because when you love one another, everyone is drawn to it. No one's drawn to discord and disunity. That's illogical too, isn't it? No one is drawn to people who love to debate. That's not exciting. We don't turn debates on in the political primaries and go, this is so fun how much they love one another. And you're like, no, oh, like you live with this inner, like, oh, this is so uncomfortable, right? We don't watch it, but it's like uncomfortable. And, and so in this moment, right, who wants to see that in the church? People who find their, just find their jollies in church debating and getting in arguments. Faith does not express itself that way. Love. We can't separate belief and action. Faith is primary, but the practice of love is necessary. So, so you're tracking with me, right? You have a faith. You jump in the hammock, and that will then show an expression of love for God, which will then manifest love for, for one another. And the love for one another will start a love for the lost, those outside. But it starts here. So let's just look at a few things in the context, right? These are all, remember, rules of the game, Rules of the game. You know what I mean when I say that? It's like, it's not a game to, with our relationship with Jesus, but we love games. And so you understand rules of a game. And so this is what we're talking about here, right? So love is an action. Love is an action. It's important to know. That's number one. It's important to know that the love Paul is celebrating is agape love. Right? It's agape love. Like if you are a, if you know, you know that there are several different words in the context of Greek to express love. Three, three of the most in our culture is going to be like agape love, and then the phileo love, like this brotherly love that you have for friends and for family, right? And then there's the eros love, that romantic love, which is about 98% of our songs and our movies revolve around eros love. Like I'm so in love with this person. And then tomorrow I've fallen out of love with them, right? Which means it's an eros love. It's a different type of love. And so when we talk about love only in the context of our emotions and the context of our sentiments and the context of our feelings, then we've missed the heart and expression of what Paul's talking about. The nature of biblical love is agape love, right? It's the deepest understanding of love that speaks not, again, to the emotional feeling side of love, but to commitment and self-sacrifice. It's the choice of serving one another in spite, like I already said, of emotion, attraction, or sentiment. It's an action of service, an action of giving the best of ourselves. So the clearest example in Scripture, you know this, is Jesus' suffering and death for us, laying his life down in service of us so that we can have eternal life. And when we think about that, we're like, oh, yeah, Jesus loves us. He died for us. We make it super personal. And that's great, but a little bit dangerous because we love ourselves. And we would like, yeah, of course he would lay down his life for us. Just like as I would lay down my life for my kids. But Jesus died for the most horrendous, evil people in the world throughout history. You just name the people that you think of as being horrendous and evil, having done evil things, and recognize Jesus died for them. 
It's not because of the attraction of what they've done. It's not because of the emotion of excitement that he has for them in hitting triples, right? It's not because of the sentiment of like, oh, love and affection. No, he sees them and he sees their sin. He even knows their response to him, right? In the context of then turning away from Jesus, he sees those things and he died. Like when we talk about agape love, you can't just think about him dying for you. Oh, buddy, I love you. Warm, fuzzy Jesus. No, man, he died for those who we look at as evil. And then that shows the nature of agape, doesn't it? That's the nature we're talking about, right? Paul is stating that this is the type of love he is hearing about in the churches of Asia Minor. What it probably looked like finds its probably clearest picture in Acts chapter 2. We're familiar with that when it says they shared all of their things. They sold their possessions to give to anyone who had need. They had no needy among them. They invited everyone to their homes to do meals together. They fought for others at the expense of their own lives. Faith expresses itself in agape love for one another and then ultimately agape love for others when Jesus says, love your enemies, turn the other cheek, walk the extra mile. Like that, I'll be honest with you, that's really easy to talk about theologically. It's very difficult to live out. You think about the people, and this is when we've been doing small groups. Name that person in your life with the greatest tension with. Name the people who cause the greatest angst inside of you. And now put that person as the one that you are to agape. And you're like, okay, okay, I don't really like that, <laughs> right? That doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel right. Oh. And that's the nature of agape. So love is an action, agape in that context, which then leads to number two. Love and agape, right, is possible because of Jesus, right? Love is possible because of Jesus. The idea of expressing this type of love in a moment, maybe in a moment, may be possible without Jesus, but an ongoing lifestyle of humility and preferring others and agapeing by living sacrificially requires his power. 1 John 4.19 tells us that we were able to agape love because he first agape loved us. A lifestyle of loving like Jesus requires the power of Jesus expressed in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. So what I'm getting at is this. You can't agape apart from Jesus. Like you can talk about not having, listen, you can get in your small groups and go, oh, my faith is terrible. Oh, I'm so bad at loving. Oh, I just need to do better. And the fact is that won't work. That won't work. You can't just through your own willpower begin to do better. No, you have to submit you to jump into the hammock of Jesus and go, God, I can't, only you can express your love through me because I can't agape as a lifestyle apart from the power of your spirit. But you're awesome at it. We see the church in Asia Minor being awesome at it, which means they received faith in Jesus. They said, we submit to you. And the power of the Holy Spirit was manifest to agape those sacrificially they could not necessarily stand in their flesh. 
They needed Jesus. So what does it look like? It means every day, God, I can't love well. Awaken love inside of me today, God, that I can love Jesus the way the Father loves him. That's what Scripture says. Pray that you can love Jesus the way the Father loves him. It's a Bible verse, by the way, okay? You can love Jesus as the Father loved him. And then, God, give me grace to love this person. Because I can't, but I know that you can I can't, only you can. So God, submit today. I jump into your hammock of agape. Help me. And I expect today to love them well. So in doing things in your own strength, you're going to get frustrated. And that then leads us to jump into the hammock of Jesus and say, by faith I lean into you. Help me to love those that I can't love in my own strength. You see how that works, right? Faith is primary. Our relationship with Jesus gives rise to the work of God's Spirit to agape through us. So if you're having a hard time loving somebody, hear this, just real quick, this real practical. Then you need to sit down and spend a lot of time with Jesus and jump into his hammock. You need to slow down and say, God, it's been a week of hating this person I'm in sin for that, God. It's opposed to your will. Help me. I'm going to slow down. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm just going to sit here, God. I'm going to be still. I'm going to listen until you fill me with the love of agape for this person. I need you now to rise up and love through me. Number three, love is is the expression of faith. Love is the expression of faith, right? So we understand this. If I truly have faith, trust, and belief in a person, then that relationship will be different than every other relationship, won't it? It's like with Randall. I got a great relationship with Randall. Like I, we have this. I have great belief, great trust. Like I, I never am concerned that she doesn't love me. I'm never worried that she's going to cheat on me, right? I mean, like I, I don't, I don't ever have those worries and doubts. I can share anything with her. Everything that's going on in my life, Randall knows. I literally have no, I have no boundaries in the things that I share with her, and from my past, my struggles, my fears, my anxieties, she knows everything, right? Why? Because I know that I can trust her with those things. There's no wall up, and I have the same kind of wall. And there's no no walls up and I have no walls up with Jesus. He knows everything going on in my life. And so my relationship with him looks different. So when I give it to him, I expose all this brokenness before him, right? And I trust him. I, I believe in him, right? And all of these pieces. And so in that, my relationship looks different. All these walls are done. I have faith and I'm loving him. But the nature of this idea is love is the expression of faith is that when I have this relationship with Jesus, then, then I am supposed to model that. By Listen, by being Jesus to others so that their walls can come down, so they can have faith in the Jesus in me, and so that they can have trust. So my life lived with an expression of faith, trust, and belief and confidence in God. Now that I can live confidently giving myself away for others, when I do that and become that safe person, then it tears down walls inside of them and it draws them to Jesus. Do you see that, how that works? Faith expressing itself in love, to sacrificially love God and then sacrificially love others. Then walls come down for them and they want what we have. Love is the expression of faith. We will love as an action in other people's lives because he loved us. This leads us to this next part, legitimacy, the legitimacy of our faith in Christ 
is dependent on agape love flowing from us to others. Which leads us number four. Love is doing and love is not doing. Love is doing and love is not doing. As an action, love is both the things we do and the things that we don't do. So hear this. When I do, when I do weddings, and I stand up before a, marry, a couple I'm marrying, and I, and I have them, I, do, I say these words, I have to make, make a commitment to love one another, comfort one another, honor and keep one another in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, be faithful to one another as long as they both shall live. Right? This is the rule of the marriage game. I'll read those again. To love one another, comfort one another, honor and keep one another in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, be faithful to one another as long as they both shall live. So love here is expressed by the things that they do. They comfort, they honor, they keep, and they forsake. Those are the things that they do, right? But that also means that there are things they are not doing. They are not dishonoring. They are not causing discomfort. And they are not cheating with another lover. So love is an expression of the things they do and the things that they don't do. And so in the context of our lives, then, faith expressing itself in love, love for God. Jesus says, this is how I know that, is how I know that you love me. You obey my command. So I don't fall into sin. I don't disobey God. And so the expression of our lives, then, is a love for God and love for others. This is the things that I do for him and for them and the things that I don't do in, in regards to him and for others. So what it looks like is this. In all of church history, there are many things that stand the test of time as being universally true with sin and not sin. Two of the most relevant for today, I'm just going to name these, right? I'm not picking on anyone, but just naming these is this. There's no sex outside of marriage. And the second thing is you must forgive completely those who have wronged you. So two universal pieces of expression of love are the things that I do and don't do is that I don't have sex outside of marriage and I must forgive completely those who have wronged us. So if you, now I want you to hear these words. If you are a person who says you are a Christian, yet you are regularly doing these two things, then you can't say you were saved by faith for they are unloving, and love is the sign of true and authentic faith. What do, I mean, what do I mean by that? If I'm in the context of saying, yeah, I love Jesus, but I'm continually forsaking him as a lifestyle. If I'm continually disobeying him as a lifestyle, what that's saying is that love is just words and not an actual motivation of my heart and my will being surrendered. So maybe then, before God only can answer this, maybe your faith is not authentic. Like, you see what I'm getting at? Love is an action. It's what you do, and it's what you don't do. And if I find myself regularly doing things that are unloving as a lifestyle, then maybe before God, I need to have an honest moment and say, God, is my faith authentic? I'm not sitting here just calling you a non-Christian. Don't hear me say that. Like, I, I don't have the right to judge. I'm simply saying, faith trees bear faith fruit. And faith root is love. Right? And if I'm not bearing love in the context of the things I do and that I don't do, then I need to sit back and go, maybe my faith is not authentic. People come to say, come to me all the time and say, you think my so-and-so is a Christian? They prayed to pray when they were six. I look at them and say, are they bearing fruit? Because a uh, faith tree bears faith fruit. Salvation 
True salvation bears fruit in keeping with the work of the Holy Spirit, which is love. It's obedience. I can't judge, but it bears fruit. So press pause and just go, that seems really harsh, Steve. No, it's just true. There are lots of people sitting in church who are dying and going to hell. Because they prayed a prayer when they were six and they never actually turned their life over to Jesus. It's just the nature of the gospel. He becomes Lord. So which comes number five. Love matures. Love matures, right? So it just makes me really uncomfortable. Oh my gosh, Steve's telling me I'm not a Christian. No, I'm not. Because the beauty of it is this. Love matures. Again, remember, it is our faith in God in Christ that saves us, nothing else. So I just freak some of you out by saying maybe you're not a Christian because of sin in your life. But I don't want you to miss the word that I used. I said, if you are regularly, as a lifestyle, doing these things. See, the nature of true faith means that conviction comes. And I find myself in conviction not going down the path that I once went down. So the nature of love maturing is that when we find ourselves in sin, listen, we are in great company. Because every single great man and woman of faith in the scriptures found themselves in some context in sin. And we go, oh, right? And so it's this nature that we are going to find ourselves wrestling, struggling. And James says, right, being tempted. And then when sin bears fruit, all of a sudden, like when sin takes fruit, it bears fruit and we fall into sin. And all of us have fallen into, are going to fall into sin somewhere in our lives, right? Which means this, in the context of my life, Faith in Christ doesn't mean I never sin again, but it means that love is maturing so that I am sinning less as I move with Christ and I'm loving more. That's the testimony. I'm saved by faith and love is maturing. Doesn't mean I'm never going to sin again, but it means that sin happens less. I begin to decrease in sin and I begin to grow in love and obedience to Christ more as an excitement and as a passion of my life. And, and Paul is saying, and that's the sign of the deposit of the Holy Spirit in you. Because when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, he won't let you stay in sin because it's so opposed to him and he hates it so much. He will be continually, by his great love for us, convicting us so that love increases and sin diminishes. Faith will express itself in love. And so we have to be honest in that. God, where is the sin in my life? God, am I convicted? The most dangerous place to be in my life is in sin with zero conviction. It means that I've grown cold to the work and to the love of the Holy Spirit, and I need to cry out for help. Whether I'm a Christian crying out for salvation or I'm a non-Christian crying out for salvation, save me from myself. And so this faith expressing itself in love is a sign of the deposit and the work of the Holy Spirit that you have actually given your life to Jesus and jumped into his hammock and have both feet into his hammock. It's a gift to you to show if your faith is authentic. What we could say this morning is this. These are the rules of the game. Faith, primary, expressing itself in love, being necessary. It points to the fact of an authentic faith. And here's the great thing. 
I named number four. Some of you freaked out about your own life and life of your loved ones. And here's the thing. I'm not calling anyone a non-Christian this morning. I have no idea. I don't get to judge anybody. It's not my, it's not my job to call out fruit in people's lives. Hey, Christian, non-Christian, I can't do that. That's God's work. But I will say each of us need to be transparent and honest before God and ourselves about where we are. Not to beat ourselves up to go, Jesus. Because here's the thing. The reason you don't go there is not because you're, it's only, it's because you're afraid of what he might say. The only reason you won't ask is because you're afraid of what he might say. And I don't know about you, but I have a God who cheers for me and loves me. And even in his conviction fills me with hope. My fear should never drive me because that's the enemy from going to God to ask him honest questions. If fear is driving you from honest conversations in any relationship, then you've been led by your flesh and by the work of the enemy and not by Jesus. And he says, will you just come ask me? I'm going to love on you. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you, but I'm going to tell you good job for coming and being honest. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, son, daughter. Just come. Just come. I will run from my front porch as you were coming in pig slop, and I will run down the hill, and I will not stop, and I will be screaming your name as I come. Here we come. Right here. Come on. I'm right here. Just come. I'm going to be honest with you because I love you, right? But come. Be honest. Why? Because the world, you need it, and the world needs it. Faith is primary. Love is necessary. Faith must express itself in love. That's all that matters. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your letter to the churches in Asia Minor. God, we thank you for the testimony of the church at Ephesus itself, God, which just experienced great revival because they were a people who loved you and feared you as in like respecting you, showing reverence. And, and it says the whole city heard the gospel of Jesus. And Father, we recognize as a testimony of our lives, God, we want revival, we want renewal, we want you to move. It's, it's, a, it's, it's birth from a people of faith who have humbled themselves in loving others and agape. And Father, we just confess well, we're just really not good at agape. We really can't do it in our own strength. So, Father, this morning I pray that you would come and just reveal to us the nature of faith, the nature of trust we have in you. And, and to be honest with you, God, not beating ourselves up, but just having honest, like, hey, what type of love am I expressing? Is it true agape love? And if not, then, Lord, we would surrender and submit ourselves to you, jumping into your hand and say, God, then help us. But I pray for this morning, Jesus, maybe those who are in sin this morning, God, they're in number four and they're like, Afraid to be honest. I, I just pray for grace today to be honest. Again, grace, your ability that we can't muster up the strength for, but your grace, your ability, your power to be honest. And then, God, I pray for ears to hear today. Father, let's just be honest. We are best at hearing your voice in condemnation. We're best at hearing you tell us how frustrated you are that we struck out the other two times, not celebrate the triple we just got. God, I pray you would make us good at hearing the true voice of Jesus that says there is no condemnation. I will not break a bruised reed. I will not snuff out a smoldering wick. 
God, you're gracious, you're kind, you're compassionate with us in those moments. I pray you would reveal the rules of the game for us, God. We would not be those who want to buck the system, try to break the rules. We would submit to the rules because they produce the most life in us and the rest of the world. So, Father, this morning, even as I pray, I just recognize there's this, I just feel a tension, even as I pray, God, of, of recognition, of, of heart understanding of this. And I'm asking for grace for understanding today, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Pray this morning. All right, you respond as the Lord leads. We have ministry teams that are coming now. We have our offering baskets. God, this is an expression of worship before the Lord with communion available here to, again, celebrate the work of Jesus, the expression of his love. If you're, I would just say this this morning. Here's a, here's a practical thing with communion this morning. If you're struggling this morning with really engaging and receiving, embracing the love of Jesus, this is not just done as a historical remembrance. This is done so as we take it, his love is awakened right now for us again. It becomes, his gospel becomes alive for us again. We recognize his sacrifice. We recognize his agape. We recognize his kindness. We recognize his compassion. And we say, Jesus, as we take and receive communion, then would you awaken communion inside of us for others? To be sacrificial and agape for us. So maybe this morning that's where you are coming to receive responds to the Lord Jesus, allow him to search you and to know you to be honest with you. So I'll come back up here in a few minutes to release us, but would you just do some, some business love, right? The love of, this is the business of love this morning.